Today on Outflow, we're going to discuss a very intriguing question. Why was the book of Enoch left out of the Bible? Now, grab your Bible and something to take notes with, and let's get started. This is Outflow. Why was the book of Enoch left out of the Bible? Now, depending on what Christian background you come from, you may have heard of the book of Enoch. However, it's not included in the Bible. The book of Enoch is considered to be the uh, in the category of what we call uh, pseudographa, which means this book was written under a uh, pseudonymous name, which um, that, that means it was falsely attributed works or that the author claims to be somebody but is not actually the true author. Uh, pseudonymous writings were common during the time that the Bible was written, actually. Well, before we discuss the book of Enoch, let's take a look at the man Enoch. There are actually four different men in the Bible named Enoch. Did you know that? Uh, four different men um, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, Genesis chapter 5, verse 18, Genesis chapter 25, verse 4, and Genesis chapter 46, verse 9. Uh, all of those are different men uh, with by the name of Enoch. Now, some translations use a different spelling, such as uh, Hencoch or Hanach or uh, Hanach. Um, Enoch appears in the book of Genesis of the Pentateuch as the seventh of the ten pre-deluge or pre-flood patriarchs. Uh, Genesis recounts that each of the pre-flood patriarchs lived for several centuries. Enoch was the great-great-great-great-grandson of Adam. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21 uh, through 24 says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Enoch was also the great, great grandfather of Noah. Uh, we, we can also find more text on Enoch in the Hall of Faith, found in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, where the word says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found, because God had taken him, for before he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God. It's interesting to note that uh, most folks assume being taken away uh, is what Enoch is most well known for, uh, as well as Elijah. Both of these men were the only two people in the Bible references in which uh, they were chosen by God to escape death. Um, Enoch appears to have been given this privilege because he walked faithfully with God and pleased God. The Bible doesn't mention the purpose of God taking Enoch to heaven, uh, but the most common assumption is that uh, uh, he could serve as one of the two witnesses as part of the end times, and that's probably uh, for um, 
for another podcast. Uh, but the other witness is, is assumed to be the prophet Elijah. Again, we don't really know for sure who those two are going to be. And again, probably uh, that would be a good subject for another podcast at, at, at another time. Uh, Jude also mentions Enoch, which is a prophecy in Jude, uh, Jude 1 verses 14 and 15, uh, that says, Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, here's the actual quote from the book of Enoch, chapter 1 and verse 9, which is referenced by Jude. Uh, This is the actual quote from uh, the book of Enoch, which says, uh, Behold, he will arrive with ten million of the holy ones in order to execute judgment upon all. He will destroy the wicked ones and censure all flesh on account of everything that they have done that which the sinners and the wicked ones committed against him. If you notice, Jude refers to thousands of angels, but Enoch refers to millions. Now, this could appear to be significant, but the Greek word in Jude that is translated as thousands is myrios, and that literally means 10,000. Uh, the, the the apparent difference of thousand and thousands and ten million is due to the differences in translation of the same word. The the difference is not re, uh, is is um, is not real since the Hebrew and Greek word is identical. Um, so uh, and and again that that is you know not not one of those make it or break it issues. Um, there, there are actually uh, three books of Enoch. There is first Enoch, uh, second Enoch, and third Enoch. Uh, so a lot of folks just think there's one, but uh, usually they're referring to first Enoch. First Enoch, which we call the book of Enoch, uh, was apparently written around 200 B.C., now it should be noted that this book is usually regarded to be the uh, the Ethiopic apocalypse of Enoch. There's also the second book of Enoch, which is called a, a Slavonic Apocalypse, or the Book of the Secrets of Enoch, that was written uh, late in the first century A.D. Um, and then there's a third book of Enoch, or the Hebrew book of Enoch, which is believed to have been written in the fifth uh, to sixth century A.D. Now, uh, the the book that is referred to as the book of Enoch is, uh, as I said, the first book, which contains 108 chapters comprised of five sections that are also called books. Um, the first book of Enoch, uh, again, has five sections. There, there's number one, the Book of the Watchers, which is chapters 1 through 36. Book of the Similitudes, which is ver- uh, chapters 37 through 71. Uh, book of the Astronomical Writings, chapters 72 through 82. Uh, the Book of the Dream Visions, chapters 83 through 90. And then the Book of the Epistle of Enoch, which is chapters, includes chapters 91 through 107. The book of 
Enoch speaks to some major themes, such as reward and punishment, uh, the end of the world and the final judgment. There, there's a lot about angels. Um, and a lot of our theology about angels has actually been built around what the book of Enoch tells us, which makes it interesting uh because these things are not mentioned in the 66 books of the Bible that uh, that we hold as as the canon. Um, however, again, a lot of our theology about angels comes from this book that is that actually is is not in our Bible. Uh, but we, uh, you know, the which it lends some credence, I, I think. Um, somewhat to to the book of Enoch. Uh, the book of Enoch also talks about the uh, the tree of life, talks about Jerusalem and the universe. It deals with the one, the, the, the Son of God or the Messiah, resurrection, the flood, uh, Noah, future judgment in paradise. There, there, there are writings in the book of Enoch about stars, the moon, astronomy, the, the universe, and Enoch's mission. Uh, chapters 83 through 90 concern predictions about the flood, a, a historical sketch, the, uh, the, the future of Israel and the Messianic kingdom. And remember, this was written before the Messiah came. Uh, the final 17 chapters deal with various challenges for the uh, for the wicked and righteous, as well as discussing the sin after the flood until the coming of the Messiah. Not only is the book of Enoch considered to be a, uh, again, that big word, that pseudepigraphal uh, writing, uh, but it's uh, also considered an, an, an apocryphal writing. Apocryphal writing means that it should, be, um, it, it should be true and correct, and there are times when the book of Enoch appears to be historically inaccurate. Now, when it comes to reading those texts, they should be treated as fallible historical texts, whereas the Bible should be treated as the inspired, infallible, and authoritative Word of God. So that lends a little bit of issue with the book of Enoch because, again, the Bible is inerrant. Um, historically, we talked about this uh, several, several way back. I, I think the first, actually our first outflow podcast, the, the first episode it had to deal with how do we know the Bible is true. And one of the major themes of how we know the, the major contributing factors to uh, how we know the Bible is true is because of its accuracy, historical accuracy, uh, prophetic accuracy, so many other ways. Uh, the book of Enoch seems to have uh, historically anyway, uh, maybe some historical uh, inaccuracies. And so um, that that does throw up a little bit of a, a, a red flag there. Um, I actually, though, encourage folks to read the book of Enoch. Um, now, whether or not I believe that it should be part of the 66 books or the or the the, the Bible, the, the the written word that we have, uh, is another story. But I I actually encourage folks to to read the book. I've read it. Uh, it didn't. It didn't change my faith. Uh, it did help me to maybe have a little better understanding of some stuff. Um, it helped me to kind of fill in some blanks. 
uh, whether or not it's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of struggle with this a little bit because I hear people say, well, should I read it? If it's not in the Bible, should I read it? Uh, I, I encourage folks to read the book of Enoch, but to do so with, as with any book, uh, other than the word of God, to read it with caution and discernment. All students of the Bible, I think, would do well to acquaint themselves with, with the book of Enoch. Um, I think it provides a fascinating look into the way that the Old Testament was interpreted in the years prior to the birth of Christ. Uh, especially significant is what appears to be the book's messianic interpretation uh, of Daniel's son of man. Um, uh, without going into a lot of details there, there's some, there's some great things there that, uh, that Enoch deals with, uh, con- concerning that subject. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't discourage you from, from looking into it. If you do, if you decide to read it and you find yourself influenced or confused by the wording, um, then just close them for the time being. And, and But to make sure to stay in the Word on a daily basis, the Word of God that we know ha- has been uh, inspired of God and, and, and given to, to the prophets and great men of old uh, as it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Even though it's fun to explore extra-biblical books written uh, some of them millennia ago, uh, it's far more important to invest in the Word of God. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, now, the next questions we ask about this are: uh, is are there any books um, or any Bibles that have the book of Enoch? Uh, outside the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, there are no Bibles, and and you do realize that you know we we have uh, our Bible, our 66 books of the Bible, uh, but this is not you know there there are others who have other Bibles, uh, you know there there is. Um, it, doesn't mean they're wicked, <laughs> you know. It just uh, th- this is the one that we have, um, and uh, there there are uh, like the the Ethiopian Orthodox Church has its own Bible, but outside of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, there are no Bibles or denominations that believe that Enoch is divinely inspired of God. However, the Jews do include it uh, in the Apocrypha as external text. Most Bible scholars do not believe these books were divinely inspired scripture, even though it does contain a lot of information that could fill in some blanks for us. And again, if you read it, read it with a grain of salt. But there is some, to me, some very interesting information there in the book of Enoch uh, that does kind of fill in the blanks. You know, when when I get to heaven, one of the things, and I know, uh, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm probably not even going to think about this stuff. But I've often said, when I get to heaven, I want to have time to sit down with the Lord and say, Lord, will you just kind of fill in some blanks for me? Will you help me to understand some stuff that you just kind of left, you know, you left it out there. And we had to just kind of work that out and work through it. Um, there are some parts of the Bible that we just don't have an answer to. Uh, we, we, we speculate and we hope we get it right. Uh, but, uh, you know, the book of Enoch kind of helps you maybe fill in some of those blanks, but again, with a grain of salt, uh, 
there are also references to the book of Enoch in, in other books, like uh, in the Bible, like Jude, like Hebrews. Uh, many of the great theologians and scholars and leaders of the early church considered Enoch to be part of Scripture. However, when the Bible was canonized, for whatever reason, the book of Enoch was removed. Enoch was not the only book not to survive canonization, however, for one reason or another. There, there are at least seven others, and, and I won't take the time to list all of them, but I, I think noteworthy among that list would be the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Nicodemus, uh, and even Paul's epistle to the to the Laodiceans. Now, I would love to read those. I I would, I mean, I, you know that that piques my interest. Uh, that Thomas wrote a gospel that wasn't included in the Bible. Nicodemus wrote a gospel wasn't included, and I would love to hear what Paul had to say uh, to the Laodiceans, but uh, they weren't included for whatever reason. Now, let's talk a little bit about the canonization of Scripture. Uh, the word canon means to stand or rule. The canon is the list of authoritative and inspired scripture. In Protestant Christianity, the canon is the body of scripture that constitutes these 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books in the New Testament. It's, it's what we refer to as our Bible. An important part of church history is when the books within the Bible became officially part of the canon, um, and, and a lot of that is contributed to the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, even though many in the church had already considered the 66 books uh, uh, canonical, um, and, and it had already been uh, basically settled before the Council of Nicaea. Uh, but, but various authors writing under pseudonyms, um, in fact, most of them were Gnostics, uh, tried to sneak false books into the church. And it was up to the church to determine the final canonization of the Bible to make sure to, to guarantee the purity of the Word of God. I hope that makes sense. Some of it was really good writing. Um, I mean, again, go back and think, what about Paul's epistle to the Laodiceans? Why not include that? Uh, there were definitely some reasons, and, and you know, maybe we'll talk about that here in a moment. But, uh, but the important thing was to, to keep the word pure, to not allow anything in here that was going to be contradictory. Um, and so... It, I, I can't imagine the struggle that that these men had to to decide which books uh, would be included in in the Bible. The difficulty in determining the biblical canon is that the Bible does not give us a list of the books that belong in the Bible. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, determining the canon was a process conducted first by Jewish rabbis and scholars and later by early Christians. Ultimately, it was God who decided what books belonged in the biblical canon. A book of scripture belonged in the canon from the moment God inspired its writings. It was simply a matter of God convincing his human followers which books should be included in what we have today as the Bible. Now, Compared to the New Testament, 
there was much less controversy over the canon of the Old Testament. Hebrew believers recognized God's messengers and accepted their writings as inspired of God. The Old Testament has 39 books of which the apostles and the early church fathers quoted and firmly believed. So that made it kind of easy. For the New Testament, the process of the recognition and collection uh, began in the first centuries of the Christian church, very early on. Some of the New Testament books were being recognized. Paul considered Luke's writings to be as authoritative as the Old Testament. Think about that. Uh, Paul considered that what Luke was writing, man, he, he's like, hey, this brother's connected. This brother's got it right. Uh, you know, you you can see that in in First Timothy chapter five and verse eighteen. Uh, you. Uh, uh, Peter recognized Paul's writings as scripture, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. Some of the books of the New Testament were being circulated among the churches. Um, Clement of Rome mentioned at least eight New Testament books in AD 95. Ignatius of Antioch acknowledged about seven books in AD 115. Polycarp. A disciple of John the Apostle acknowledged 15 books in AD 108. Later, uh, Irenaeus mentioned 21 books. Um, uh, Hippolytus recognized 22 books. The New Testament books receiving the most controversy. Think about this. The new te- the, the ones that, that stayed, the one that, that we held on to, there were some of those that were controversial. Now think about this. Some of the most controversial books in the canonization of Scripture, think about if these would have been left out. Hebrews, James, 2 Peter, 2 and 3 John. Think about if those would have been left out, but they were controversial. There there were some reasons for it. Hebrews was one especially because nobody knows who wrote it. Uh, it, We think it probably, I, I tend to think it was Paul. We don't know for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things about the scripture, one of the things about the books of the Bible, one of the, one of the important, uh, uh, principles uh, or the important qualifying, uh, attributes was that you had to know who the author was. It's one of the problems with the book of Enoch is we're not really sure who wrote it. And that's the same way with Hebrews. So they almost left out the book of Hebrews. Thank the Lord they didn't because there's so much there that uh, is just powerful. Um, and, and again, James, 2 Peter, 2 and 3 John. The first canon was actually the uh, uh, Muratorian canon, which was compiled in A.D. 170. The Muratorian canon included all of the New Testament books except Hebrews, James, uh, 1 and 2 Peter and 3 John. Uh, that that was the first that would have been the first Bible uh, in AD 363 the Council of Laodicea stated that only the Old Testament along with one book of the Apocrypha and 26 books of the New Testament uh, that was everything but revelation think about that everything but revelation were uh, canonical and to be read in the churches they said you got to leave out the book of revelation um 
the, the, the Church of Hippo in AD 393 and the Council of Carthage in AD 397 also affirmed the same 27 books as authoritative. Probably no other figure in early church history after Paul shines as brightly as Athanasius. Athanasius was born in AD 295 and quickly rose through the ranks of the Alexandrian church. He was at the Council of Nicaea in AD 325. Uh, Athanasius is one of my personal heroes of the faith. I love to study that man's life, a man a man of prayer, powerful man of prayer. But Athanasius was one of the first to recognize what is now the 27 letters in the New Testament. Now, um, the, the first list of 27 books in the New Testament appeared in A.D. 367 in a letter written by Athanasius, who was then Bishop of Alexandria. It was not until after that date that an official uniform agreement on the 27 books of the New Testament at the Council of Nicaea. Um, So thank God for Athanasius. Although we don't have time to, to dive into all the processes involved at Nicaea, I think we can highlight some of the ways that they determined uh, the, the canonicity of a book, whether or not it belonged in the Bible. Uh, They would analyze previous books already canonized and compare the books up for canonization. And if those books contained very many contradictions to what scriptural canon asserted, they would not move forward in placing those books in the canon. They also relied on the promptings of the Holy Spirit to guide them in the process. And we cannot discount that part of the process. We can rest assured that they didn't simply go on a whim uh, in terms of determining which books fit within the canon of Scripture. This was not a decision they took lightly. The councils followed something similar to uh, the, 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 these principles to determine whether a New Testament book was truly inspired by the Holy Spirit. Number one, was the author an apostle or did he have close connection with an apostle? Number two, is the book being accepted by the body of Christ at large? Number three, did the book contain consistency of doctrine and orthodox teaching? Number four, did the book bear evidence of high moral and spiritual values that would reflect a work of the Holy Spirit? Again, it is crucial to remember that the church did not determine the canon. No early church council decided on the canon. They prayed They fasted. They sought God's direction. It was God and God alone who determined which books belonged in the Bible. It was simply a matter of God's imparting to his followers what he had already decided. The human process of collecting the books of the Bible was flawed, but God in his sovereignty, and despite our ignorance and our stubbornness, brought the early church to the recognition of the books that he had inspired. And I'm so glad that he's able to to speak and, and to get us to understand those things. So the bottom line, let's get back to the question at hand. The bottom line, 
why not the book of Enoch? Why was the book of Enoch left out of the Bible? Because there has not been found any clear evidence that the book of Enoch could factually be attributed to Enoch. We cannot prove that Enoch is truly the author. Uh, of, of course, there's no clear evidence either to the contrary. We just don't know for sure. We have no way of knowing for sure. Uh, the, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church has recognized the book of Enoch as scripture. But the book of Enoch was never referred to by Jesus or any of the New Testament writers as scripture. Even though they quoted it, even though they referred to it, they never referred to it as scripture. And the book was not included in the New Testament by the apostles, Remember, Paul indicated some books. Peter indicated some writings that should be there. Others indicated. None of those people ever indicated that the book of Enoch, the apostles never indicated that the book of Enoch uh, had any real validity, maybe some historical uh, historical value, but nothing really stood out to make it to where they said this should be a part of of the Bible. This should be a part of it. Uh, The New Testament clearly tells us that the apostles were identifying Scripture as it was being written. That according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, I'll let you look that up. Uh, 1 Timothy 5, 18, Luke 10, 7. The New Testament books were being distributed by the apostles to the various churches to be read because they were letters. They, they were books to the churches. Uh, we find that in Galatians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, by the time the apostles died, the New Testament had been written and its books were known. The early fathers left us a list of books that were identified as belonging to the New Testament. The book of Enoch was never included in those. There have been lots of challenges to this, but none of them have ever really been successful. Uh, so in conclusion, you know, you ask the question, uh, why isn't this wonderful book included in the Bible? The answer is that Jesus and the apostles never called it scripture. It's important to note that a few early church fathers highly valued the book of Enoch, but they never referred to it as scripture. It's a great book. Again, I encourage you to read it if you can read it with a grain of salt. Matter of fact, uh, you you can uh, go to Amazon if you've got a Kindle. That's where I got my copy. Uh, you can go to Amazon. You can get it free. You can download it on your Kindle free and read it. Uh, but again, you got to do it with a grain of salt. Don't let it confuse you. Um, but but the, the 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 early church fathers here here again bottom line the early church fathers though they highly valued the book they never referred to it as scripture therefore we cannot view it as authoritative since it is not the word of God so where where does that where does that take us uh, I. 
all I can say is read it for yourself, you know, um, read it for yourself with a grain of salt. Uh, I hope we've helped clear up some confusion on the subject of, uh, of why the book of Enoch was left out of the Bible. Uh, I hope I hope we've done a little bit to help you today. Thank you so much for uh, making Outflow a part of your day. I hope you've enjoyed our time together today, so much so that you'll want to join us again. Now, can I ask you to do something for us? Um, number one, whether you're watching the video or listening to the audio version of our podcast on whatever platform that you're using, would you please take the time to subscribe to our channel? Just click that little subscribe button. That would that would help us so much. If you like what you hear, please leave us a great rating. That would be such a blessing. And again, that that helps us out. It helps us to get the word out. And then thirdly, finally, um, help us spread the word. Tell your family and friends about us and encourage them to tune in as well. We would love to have them come along on this journey with us. Remember, if you have questions or issues that you would like for us to discuss from a biblical perspective, uh, please email those to us. Uh, we No holds barred. We would love to hear from you whatever subject you would like for us to talk about. The email address is very simple. Are you ready? It's outflow at outflow.online. One more time, outflow at outflow.online. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Alan King coming to you from the studios of River of Life Church in Valdez, North Carolina, where I also have the privilege to serve as lead pastor to a great group of folks. If you're in the area, we would love for you to drop by sometime and visit us. Uh, we're right on Main Street in Valdez, and you cannot miss us. Be sure to join us for our next podcast. Just might be the question you've been waiting for us to talk about. Now, get out there and be blessed, and while you're at it, be a blessing.